Welcome to the Movie Planet. With Joe. I'm sorry if it's tight, I tried, but he won't see you. You know, you must have taken it personal. Everyone knows that Wayne's holed up in there with eight-inch nails peeing into mason jars. Joel. Speak of the devil, and he shall appear. What the hell is going on? I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the bane to my Talia al Ghul. Thank you. Joel. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. You are welcome. I spent a lot of this movie uh, trying to focus on uh, Bane's face, trying to find Tom Hardy in it, and I did this time. You did? Because I still couldn't find it. <laughs> I mean, I could see like his facial structure. I was like, okay, I get he's in there. Um, I'll we'll get we'll get to the reviews. What a lovely voice. Thank you. For, thank you for letting me be vain. I'm not even gonna try. My voice isn't working today. <laughs> it's just gonna come up like Sean Connery. <laughs> this week, I have nominated The Dark Knight Rises for the Pantheon of comic book movies, and also the trilogy of Nolan Batman films for the trilogy Pantheon. Now, the comic book movie Pantheon is comprised of seven and only seven films. Currently, the films with their average grades are The Dark Knight with an A, Deadpool with an A, Batman Begins with an A-, and Green Lantern holding strong with that C+. I'm, I'm so very sad because <laughs> we've watched a lot of comic book movies, and we will continue to watch comic book movies. Oh, yes. And I love Green Lantern. Like, I almost want to go home right now and watch it. Um, it's enjoyable. It is. It is a fun movie. It is a... I don't know if it... Is it a movie you should see? Here's the thing. So we keep talking about it on this podcast. I don't know if I've ever actually addressed it. So an idea, and please like write back with feedback if you like this idea. I, mine is like... An, it's like drunk history, <laughs> but for movies that aren't good enough to do a full show on, your Roadhouse, your... Uh, and like you all have done Point Break, but you did a comparison show. Yes. You know, movies like Green Lantern, perhaps, or Grandma's Boy. Uh, <laughs> movies that people love watching, but they're not great. And so you just have someone give a very casual synopsis of it. And they're C, like they're C movies at best. But oh, they're yeah. movies you must see. They're movies that you definitely need a beer for. Rush Hour is a movie you must see. Yes, it is. Must It is a must see. C plus. But I don't even know that. I think Rush Hour could be a B. <laughs> like for what though? Like how is it that I'm more high on rush hour than you? <laughs> well, I I I maybe push a shit down to a C because I'm afraid that people are gonna be like <laughs> got a little racist in there. Well, the, it's definitely problematic at times. <laughs> um, but that the leaps of faith, oh. like it is one leap of faith after another, and I think that's what makes a must see. <laughs> But it's a movie like I can't get enough of this movie. Like I've watched Dirty Dancing. I didn't. Well, I didn't see Dirty Dancing until last summer. Okay, I probably watched it ten times. <laughs> You're so glutton great. for punishment. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I am. But anyways, uh, I'm very sad that in the near future Green Lantern may be out of the pantheon. But it is still in my heart. And please reach out to us to let it, me know that it's in your heart as well. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Green Lantern, if if you think about where you started off with comic book movies, this is one of the first ones you probably saw. Yeah. And ba Batman was, pro I think, the first one okay. I saw. And so, realistically, it should it is the gateway drug to what you just saw. Mm. You know? It's marijuana, baby. Listen, it made Deadpool. Oh, yes. You can't have Deadpool without Green Lantern. No, no, you can't. It made him hungry for something legit. Hell, it gave you a good joke in the middle of it. Yeah, I did. 
So we will discuss the movie, and in an hour or so, we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if this movie gets a high enough aggregate grade to be worthy of its place in the pantheon of comic book films, not to mention the trilogy. This is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen The Dark Knight Rises, it's best if you stop right here, watch the movie, yes, right now, and then turn us back on to enjoy our discussion and analysis. But now that we've handled that business, let's get to our movie of the week. You see only one end to your journey. Leaving is all I have to make you understand. You're not Batman anymore. You have to find another way. You used to talk about finishing about a life beyond that awful cave. Alfred, Rachel died knowing that we had decided to be together. That was my life beyond the cave. I can't just move on. She, she didn't, she couldn't. What if she had? She, I, mean, I can't change that. What if before she died, she wrote a letter saying she chose Harvey Dent over you? And what if, to spare you pain, I burnt that letter? How dare you use Rachel to try to stop me? I am using the truth, Master Wayne. Maybe it's time we all stop trying to outsmart the truth and let it have its day. I'm, I'm sorry. You're sorry. You expect to destroy my world. And then think that we're gonna shake hands. No. I know what this means. What does it mean? It means your hatred. And it also means losing someone that I have cared for since I first heard his cries echo through this house. But it might also mean saving your life. And that is more important. Goodbye, Alfred. I'll say One this. of the most powerful scenes in the movie. <laughs> I was about to say, like, that one is probably the best scene of the movie. Um, but I was like, I was like, oh, Joe didn't play the trailer that he usually would. That, I think that scene is a better trailer for what the movie is. Yeah. Than I'm sh- I don't know what the trailer, I don't know what the actual trailer sounds like or what they say in it. It's mostly all action. Yeah, in that, like, that, that's the movie. Yeah. The movie is Batman, sorry, the the movie is Bruce Wayne battling Batman. Yeah. And like the idea of like, is he, is he still Batman? Does he need to give it up? What's he doing it for at this point? Mm-hmm. And it's like the psychological battle. Um, and so that's a very good choice. I think of uh, intro. I, I, I was, I, it was between that one or was Michael Caine's speech at the funeral at the end. Oh man. Where, yeah. yeah. Where he's crying. He's going, I failed you, you know? Uh, well, this week, we're talking about 2012's The Dark Knight Rises, a rated PG-13 movie directed by Christopher Nolan and written by Jonathan Nolan and Christopher Nolan, story by David S. Goyer and Christopher Nolan. The movie was made for $250 million. Each one of these movies increased in like the amount of money they spent on it. The budget increased by $12 million each time. Really? Yeah. And it brought in $448.1 million domestically, but $1.084 billion worldwide. Yikes. People were looking forward to this one. Uh, starring Christian Bale as Bruce Wayne or Batman, Gary Oldman as Commissioner James Gordon, Tom Hardy as Blake, 
uh, or Bane, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Blake. His real name's Robin. Anne Hathaway as Selena Kyle. Never actually called Catwoman in this movie. She isn't, is no, she? No, she's called the Cat, and that's it. Call me Kitty, Kitty Cat. cat. <laughs> Mary- Mom, make you feel her tits. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch that tonight. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> uh, Mar- Marion Cotillard as Miranda Tate. Or Talia Al Ghul. Spoiler alert. Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. Michael Caine as the ever melancholy Alfred Pennyworth. Matthew Modine as the most annoying police commissioner ever. And Cillian Murphy back again as Scarecrow in an even smaller part this time. I hate that he's in the movie at all. <laughs> Why was he here? <laughs> we just needed one more person with a dumb face. <laughs> According to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it has a tomato meter reading of 75%. That's 40 fresh reviews and 13 rotten. The critics on average gave this film a 7.8 out of 10. It's the lowest rated one, actually, of the three. The audience score, which is an average rating the audience gave this film, is a 4.3 out of 5, with 90% agreeing it's a three or higher. Now, the critic consensus says, The Dark Knight Rises is an ambitious, thoughtful, and potent action film that concludes Christopher Nolan's franchise in spectacular fashion. I have to agree with everything that is said there except for the word ambitious because it was not his ambition to do this movie. He wanted to do one with the Joker. Yeah. Now, it's a little bit of trivia time, a little trivia about this movie. About a year before the film's release, Christopher Nolan mentioned he was considering using a mixture of CGI and deleted scenes from The Dark Knight to have the Joker appear briefly. He ultimately decided it was disrespectful to Heath Ledger. That's fair. Man. I have to agree That's with a that. Tough, it's a tough decision to make, but I mean... Yeah. Because uh, his death was very different than Carrie Fisher's. Well, they both overdosed, didn't they? The Carrie overdose? Did that come out officially? Yeah, yeah. I thought she, I thought it was like a past history of abuse that led to that. No, no, no. At the time, she had a, a cocktail of drugs in her. That didn't help. Uh, but it wasn't because of Star Wars. No, 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 no. It wasn't because. No, it wasn't. Because well, actually, of her. we don't know. That. Well, <laughs> uh, Tom Hardy, standing at five foot nine. Had to wear three inch lifts. He's five nine. He's five foot nine. How's he so big? He wore three inch lifts to make his character Bane appear as tall or taller the than co-stars Christian Bale, Morgan Freeman, and Michael Caine. That's that's why that's why Tom Hardy can be Al Capone. He can do anything. He's a he's a chameleon. Dude, <laughs> I am. Um, he is five <laughs> foot nine. He's five inches taller than me. That's it. <laughs> Christian Bale is the first actor to portray Batman in so three big. Batman films. Oh, really? Yeah. Michael Keaton only did two. Huh. Uh, this is the first Batman movie created by Christopher Nolan that did not get an Academy Award nomination. And it's the second Batman film after Batman and Robin, which did not receive a single nomination. Christopher Nolan's first film since Insomnia to not receive an Academy Award nomination. Uh, that's a little odd for end of trilogy movies. Yeah. It, I mean, no, you're right. Because usually that's the one that they give a little, they cut a little bit of slack. Yeah. Now, if you weren't happy with Selena Kyle being Anne Hathaway, uh, the following actresses were up for the role. Also, Natalie Portman, Kira Knightley, Kate Mara, Gemma Arterton, Jessica Biel, who I thought would be awesome. Blake Lively and Charlotte Riley, who was Tom Hardy's fiance at the time. 
They all auditioned for the role, but after the initial audition process, Hathaway, Beale, and Mara all screen tested, and ultimately Hathaway won the role. I thought Hathaway did a really good job. I liked her in it. I'm looking up. I'm n- I don't know who Charlotte Riley is. Mm-hmm. I could see it. She looks normal enough. Yeah. But Jessica Beale, I could have totally seen that one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but she was what too busy. What about Jessica Alba? A little alias. A little oh. alias comeback. Oh, that would be Jessica Garner. Or Jennifer Garner, then. She was wait, So, wait, what did... Yeah, you're right. Jennifer Jessica Garner. Alba did Dark Angel. That's it. Yeah. That's it. They're all white both women. Of, both of which, white women in leather. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Around 10,000 extras were used to shoot the Gotham Rogues scene in Heinz Field in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Some of the Pittsburgh Steelers played football players. We had Heinz Ward in there, Ben Roethlisberger, Troy Palomalu, Willie Colon, Marquise Pouncey, Mike Wallace, Heath Miller, Aaron Smith, Ryan Clark, James Ferrier, Lamar Woodley, and Casey Hampton. Former Steelers coach Bill Cower appears as the coach. Pittsburgh Mayor Luke R. Ravenstall plays a kicker. The mayor plays a kicker. <laughs> and Thomas Tull, CEO of the film's production company, Legendary Pictures, is part owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he must have been blown up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the endings of all three movies, Jim Gordon is the final character to whom Batman speaks before he leaves. I didn't realize that until this one. I was like, he's... Bruce? Yeah. But in all three movies, he's the last person he talks to. Oh, that didn't click for me when you just read it. Because Batman Begins ends with the Joker card. Uh, Dark Knight ends with him talking to Jim Gordon before he rushes the, leaves the scene. And yeah. then this. Sure enough. Uh, Christian Bale has stated that he would not play Batman if Robin appeared anywhere in the trilogy. That's so... Fun fact, My I still don't know if my brother has seen any of these movies. Oh, because okay. when he came out and said that, yeah. my brother was like such... like He's got the Adam West Batman on DVD. <laughs> Those he just are thinks awesome. it's hilarious. <laughs> he loves it. And he's like this little Batman purist. And he said, no. He said, I will not watch a Christian Bale Batman as long as he like refuses to like embrace the past of Batman. He's like, you can't have Batman without Robin. He's like, as far as like the history goes, he's like... I'm not going to watch it. He's all you also have to. Wasn't like, the know. Batman in the 40s, the television version of the 40s, non Robin? I don't know. I believe it was He's brother probably, of Joel. I, he also just like <laughs> likes to make jokes. <laughs> uh, I think he finally did see Dark Knight, though. Well, here's the interesting thing about this because obviously we know at the end of this movie we get a Robin call card, if you will. Yes. Uh, Christopher Nolan agreed not to include Robin as it would undermine the dark tone of a series. At the end of the film. Detective John Blake's legal name is revealed to be Robin, and he quits the police force and is shown to enter the Batcave by following the instructions, presumably left by Bruce Wayne in his will. In the scene at the end where the lawyer's clerk, played by Jillian Arminante, reveals John Blake's real name, the word Robin was dubbed in post-production to keep this secret from all the crew, including Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who were on set at the time. No way. That's pretty cool. So nobody knew even until what, until the movie came out. Uh, this is the only. I would love a list of like things like that. Yeah. Like, what was the other one? Um, Luke Skywalker. The reveal that. Yep. Spoiler alert. Darth Vader is his pops. Yeah. I was just gonna watch that tonight. Ah. Man. I that's okay. Something else. Fifty years in the making. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the only live action Batman film where the bat signal is never used. It's not is it. That's not, I can't. I couldn't believe it. We need more. Now, uh, uh, interesting little thing about also in here, and that is when 
Robin goes into the cave, when Batman, when when Joseph Gordon-Levitt goes in the cave, the jacket he's wearing is black with a blue, a, a, a dark blue line going down the back, a la Nightwing. Yes. You know, so that's the callback to that. Uh, okay, so do you remember the first time you saw this? Yeah, um, honestly, I think my first time that I saw it, other than watching it for the show, was the last time I saw it. Mm. I remember watching it in theaters, uh, but I don't honestly don't think I've seen it since. Okay. Um, I remember liking it, but I remember also thinking it's not the Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah, it's in. It's kind of hard to differentiate between the two because Dark Knight is so good. Yeah. Uh, I I saw this in the theaters. I saw it in IMAX because I heard that there was an IMAX scene in this. And I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing, an IMAX scene. What's this going to be? And it ended up being the entire plane scene with Bane. Oh, okay. Uh, the IMAX I was in had, I was in really bad seats. The front row. That's so, I mean, like, if you're going to charge that much for a ticket, you've got to have every seat be great. That's exactly, I don't understand why IMAX seats go down so low. If, I honestly believe, if, I think movie theaters should charge Three to five dollars less if you're stuck in the front row. Oh hell yes, yeah. Like you shouldn't have to pay twenty dollars for an IMAX ticket in the front row. What movie did you and I see in the front row? Uh, Was it Disaster Artist? No, we saw, we were su- we were second row for Disaster Artist. We saw there was one where we were literally stirred. I think that was Disaster Artist. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. No. Yeah. But it wasn't exactly a special effects fair. You didn't really need it. You just no, needed that, the action on the screen. Right. And those screens were small anyways. I yeah. saw I saw Murder on the Orient Express. First row, three to four seats from the corner. Yes. And I remember like my head actually moving with you and McGregor. And I remember I saw Darkest Hour, I think the next weekend, uh, the Gary Oldman, where he plays Winston Churchill, and I had great seats. And the guy next to me, Fell asleep and was snoring so loudly, I got up and I moved to the front row because it was the only seat left. Oh, man. And I was like, I'm just going to sit up here because I can't deal with this idiot. That's the beauty of Movie Pass. You're like, at least I didn't pay for this stupid front row seat. (laughs) That thing was before Movie Pass. Oh. Oh, no. Darkest Hour was after. It was was after, after, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, IMAX lower seats, not a good combo to enjoy this one. No. I did see it later on again at the theater, but uh, it, it was hard to enjoy the second time. Yeah. Uh, time for a summary. What is your summary of this movie in 10 words or less? Give me a, a newspaper headline like your J. Jonah Jameson. The Prestige fights Buff Sean Connery for Gotham's free will. <laughs> I love the Buff Sean Connery thing. I can't get past it. <laughs> I hate his voice. Yeah. Like in the comic books, they say, oh, He's by Spanish. the way, Bane is going to sound Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> He's I think he He's like Argentinian in the comic books. And Tom Hardy was like, let me try something new. Yeah. He sounds like he sounds like a rugged Sean Connery. Yeah. I put old Batman Don's cowl to fight Bane and Talia al Ghul. The, the day is mine, <laughs> Batman. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful voice. <laughs> okay. Peter Schmeitier. <laughs> Suck it, Trebek. I'll take the rapist for 400. <laughs> That's a therapist. <laughs> All right. Buck Futter. I want to let you know also, like, every time I look at this synopsis yeah. provided by Schmoop compared to Batman Begins, like, 
I think I get a little tight in the pants because that first one was like 12 pages. Well, this one's not per- – I, I put Schmoop, but it's actually Wikipedia that did it. Wikipedia. Well, good yeah. for them. Like, the fact that we made this one in two and a half, two pages and an eighth. Because the Dark Knight one that we did was actually pretty good. That was Schmoop also. That was Schmoop. They were great. Yeah. But this was th- – Wikipedia, if you're looking for a, a plot summary, always has the smallest ones. Because if I'm going to go through this thing. We're not going to go bit by bit because they're just – I think we realized after two Nolan films here, it's impossible to happens. do. Yeah, everything's exposition. Okay, so here we go. In Uzbekistan, the ruthless terrorist Bane infiltrates and sabotages an airborne CIA escort, kidnapping physicist Leonid Pavel and ejecting the plane into the mountains, staging Pavel's death in the process. And who is this? Littlefinger from, uh, from Game of Thrones. <laughs> He yes. pops up on the screen. I was like, is that, is that Littlefinger? It is with an American accent. <laughs> and no facial hair. No. And not very convincing as a CIA guy either. No. He has the... He does, he does not command the plane. You know who would be good as a CIA person, like, full on in this movie? Like, given more of a character would be... Um, oh, dang it. Bilbo Baggins. Martin Freeman? Martin Freeman, thank you. Oh, yes. Martin Freeman would be great in this. Well, we've seen him play it in, in Black Panther now. Yeah. Uh, this, the entire plane scene is pretty awesome. I could, I, I lo- yeah. it's, it's like watching the Darth Vader scene for me at Rogue One. Yeah. You know, I love watching the plane scene because it starts, first of all. I'm having a good time. Having, <laughs> having a good, good time. time. Shooting star over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that should be done that's in this movie also. <laughs> like when Catwoman and Batman start fighting everybody on the roof, that's where you play that scene. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so, but yeah, they get in the plane, and immediately I notice a sound problem. Bane sounds like he's in a different booth altogether yeah. and throughout the entire movie. Yeah, it's almost like he's mic'd up. Yeah. and bo- That bothers me. It like, irritated the hell out of me throughout the entire movie. There is no... There is no, like, um, nothing breaks up his voice. No. Like, Batman might have to, like, yell over traffic, or they have to talk over a party. The moment Bane starts talking, it's like you have a device in your ear that mm-hmm. is playing purely Bane. Yeah. It's like Bane's voice has some type of a Beats by Dre technology over it to where it <laughs> defeats all other sound waves. Ambient noise all went down. Like, yes, the fact that, like, his voice defeats, like, physics and all of that it bo- it genuinely bothers me it's not like it was in a different movie honestly. yes and it's kind of funny because when this movie first screened the big issue i think it's screened at like one of the uh, like sundance and all, all those and stuff and the biggest problem that they had was we can't understand bane and so they went back into the studio to do adr days mine it- <laughs> And they brought Sean Connery in with Alex Trebek to do the lines. Uh, but that's why it sounds so from a different movie. Uh, but the action in it is pretty cool. The only other part I don't like of this is that when he jams the needle in the guy's arm, he's like, let's just do a quick transfusion. That ain't happening in a plane that's about to crash. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's pressurized. Well, no, the door's blown off. Yeah. Uh, Eight years after the events of The Dark Knight, Gotham City is in a state of peace. Batman has has disappeared since the night of Harvey Dent's death. Under powers granted by the Dent Act, Commissioner Jim Gordon has nearly eradicated violent and organized crime. However, he still feels guilty about the cover-up of te- Harvey Dent's crimes as Two-Face. Eight years, though, he's been holding on to this letter? Eight years? 
I mean, that's two election cycles. <laughs> At some point, you may want to say something. Like, if this was, like, immediately yeah. afterwards, I could understand him having that that letter that's he wants to reveal what really happened. Let's just, let's tonight go somewhere and do something absolutely egregious and then try to hold <laughs> on to it for eight years. And, and then we'll meet back here for the podcast and be like, actually... <laughs> Eight years is the perfect number. <laughs> we, can, we can do this. We can go, let's think back eight years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good sound I would. Joe was. Remember when we killed that guy? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, allegedly. Um, yeah. Let me think of things I did when I was 18 years old. <laughs> Wait, eight years? Yeah, that's 18 years eight old. Eight years, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess like now's the time where I was like, whew, I feel really guilty about that. But I think that's a lot of people when they're 18 years old. When I was eight, when I, eight years ago, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to teach third grade forever. It's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and me. now I'm here. That was me three years ago. <laughs> uh, so yeah, at a function celebrating Dent, he plans to admit to the conspiracy, but decides that the city is not ready to hear the truth. Two well, more years. This guy... <laughs> Let's wait a little bit longer. Uh, while following a lead in the abduction of a congressman from the function, Gordon's speech falls into the hands of Bane, who has arrived to Gotham City. It didn't just fall into his hands. He was kidnapped, and then Bane beat the hell out of him and got the letter. And then he threw him down the aqueduct, shot at him a few times, and now Bane's holding the letter, but he's not doing anything until the end of the movie. <laughs> Fair. This letter is the MacGuffin of this movie. Everybody wants this damn thing. Uh, Which, and honestly, like, that kind of flies under the radar. It really does. Because, like, I, I'm sitting here thinking, like, oh, yeah, I forgot about the letter. Yeah. Without the letter, nothing is going to happen in this movie. So why does Bane want the letter? Because Bane reads it in front of Blackgate Prison to, to get the prisoners all hyped up to and the people of Gotham to rise up over the 1%. Got it. That's right. Yeah. Uh. <clears throat> Let's see. Gordon is shot in the process and hospitalized, and he promotes patrol officer John Blake to detective, allowing Blake to report directly to him. That's a quietly, that's a snug relationship you got right. there. <laughs> I wonder if all the police are doing this these days. Bruce Wayne has locked himself inside Wayne Manor for the past three years. Wayne Enterprises is crumbling after he invested in a clean energy project designed to harness fusion power, but shut the project down after learning that the core could be modified to become a nuclear weapon. Uh, that's never really stated. They mostly just say he shut it down because the city wasn't ready. Yeah. It's clean energy. What are you sitting on? This is the, this is the, the problem I have with this plot, is that the decisions these characters make throughout these past eight years made no sense. <clears throat> yeah, when you, when you put it in the box of like, hey, man, it's been eight years. Y yeah. If it's three... Okay, I can buy a little bit, but eight years, that's nearly a decade of sitting on this shit. Nearly rounding up. Yeah, and you got you, you can't tell me. You cannot tell me that the science between this thing <laughs> has not improved in eight years. <laughs> uh, both Gordon and Blake, who has deduced Batman's identity off of a smile, implore Bruce to return Bat as Batman, but Alfred resigns in a failed attempt to dissuade him. That... Blake basically says, I know that smile. I fake that smile. I, that's that smile. That's how I know that you're you're him. So for hold on a second. So of all the people of Gotham who have only seen the bottom half of this guy's face, the only one who's put together it's Bruce Wayne is this guy. Yeah, it, it absolutely <laughs> blows my mind because 
how many like it bothers me the end the end of the movie that well, I, I mean I guess we're gonna get to it anyways but when Gordon's like holy moly Bruce is that you <laughs> it's like it's the ending of it's the ending of uh, Jingle All the Way. Yes. It Howard? Is. Who else? <laughs> How else does Turbo Man have an Austrian accent? Yeah. Wearing a yellow shield over his eyes. You didn't know it was your husband? <laughs> the guy that you've had sex with to have a child who also didn't recognize his own father? This kid has met maybe 30 human beings in his entire life. <laughs> 20 other like adult men or 30 other adult men. Where he's like, oh, thanks, Turbo Man. <laughs> I wish my dad was here. You look a lot like him. You sound a lot like him too. Actually, you're the same height as him. It's a good thing that suit fit. It's kind of funny. We've gotten this far in the Wikipedia synopsis, and Catwoman has not been mentioned. True. Because this this is all around it, and we get introduced to Selena Kyle at this event that Gordon's lying to everybody at, uh, where she brings some food. Up to Wayne, well, supposedly where Wayne is. We'll call him the Phantom. <laughs> He's up there shooting arrows. <laughs> Just shooting arrows. Looking straight out of the prestige. Yes. He brought his prestige character to the first half of this movie. <laughs> and he catches Selena Kyle stealing pearls. These pearls are going to have a hand later on in the movie. These are his mother's pearls, the ones that shot off of her when she was killed. Obviously very important. But he notices that she was dusting for his fingerprints and wasn't just you know trying to get into the safe. And then she goes to sell these fingerprints to somebody else who's working for this dude named John Daggett. And uh, here's where we get this guy. This is, uh, uh, what's his name? Krennic from Rogue One. Yep. It's Orson Krennic from Rogue One. Bane stages an attack on the Gotham Stock Exchange and uses a stolen set of Bruce's fingerprints there they are, to place a number of risky investments in his name, bankrupting Bruce and forcing him to relinquish control of Wayne Enterprises. Now, it should be noted that when she passed the fingerprints on to the guy buying them, she only gave him four. Because remember, she was like, ah, but I've got the thumb. you got to pay me. Yeah. Yeah. She never gives the thumb. So that's not there do you need all five i guess they did uh but all but also there is a there is a awesome three second acting job done by ann hathaway in this where the police raid the bar and she turns on a dime and starts yes. screaming like she's a victim and immediately after the people pass her, she puts her face back on and just walks Amazing. out. Amazing. And I was like, holy crap. Okay, I get it now. I know why you got this role. Yeah. Uh, and I was I was looking forward to seeing more of that. And yeah. I'll say this. She did not uh, – she was not the Rachel Dawes of this movie. Right. No, Rachel sucked. Um, <laughs> I will also say this. I had a job, my first job out of college, where I had to have fingerprint access to mm-hmm. go into a room. Yeah. Whoa. Awesome feeling. <laughs> I highly recommend it to anybody that owns a business. <laughs> yeah, the only thing better than that is like optical, where they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, it was just like a big warehouse, but they were it was a bunch of documents. And so, mm. if you want to make your employees, this is this is free advice for all you business owners. <laughs> if you want your employees to feel like they're at a place that matters, 
just install a fingerprint thing to get into the building. Saves you on making copies of keys. And it is electric. A lot of fun. Uh, Postscript to that. Don't do it at schools. The kids will break them within a day. Yeah. (laughs) That's probably true. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Correctly suspecting that his business rival, John Daggett, has employed Bain to aid in an aggressive takeover of the company, Bruce entrusts businesswoman Miranda Tate to keep full control out of Daggett's hands. Where did this lady come from? Which one was she again? Marion Coach. She was Talia Al Ghul at the end. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, okay, woman, the new Rachel Dawes. Got it. Yep. Yeah, I didn't like her either. <laughs> like the whole movie, I was like, <laughs> Rachel <laughs> has failed in three movies. Here's the thing I'll say this it's, it is not a f- me being a pig man show it as pig i say it about guys every show oh that you hate faces there are certain faces that i don't like for certain characters jamie fox yes <laughs> jamie fox is <laughs> mostly them and even scarecrow i've said it every show i don't yes. like scarecrow's face but like for some reason the people that they've like the head female casting that they've done i, I liked catwoman yeah but like rachel or Gyllenhaal, specifically. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Because it wasn't Katie Holmes. Katie Holmes was fine. Right, yes, she never bothered me. Yeah. But it was Maggie Gyllenhaal, and then, uh, what's her name? Miranda, Mar- uh, Marion Cotillard. Yeah, Marion. For some, Something was bad, I was like, don't, I don't believe you. I don't believe that the most powerful man in all of Gotham is going to say, you, <laughs> you there. You. Seven. <laughs> you, Jake Gyllenhaal's sister. And, it's, 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 and again, it has nothing to do with like my physical attraction to them. It yeah. just has to do with like the believability of the character. She comes out of nowhere. Yes. And then Bruce Wayne's like, oh, actually, I'm an extremely reserved character. I'm going to take you back to my place. <laughs> like, this is the most open he's ever been with anybody. Like He's yeah. very non-Bruce Wayne in this entire relationship. He's, he has a massive character flaw that happens midway through this, what we'll talk about. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I do think that, like, Mary and Cotillard, like, you're attractive. Oh, you're, she's a hottie. You're attractive. I don't, like, yeah. don't have your publicist coming after me when you listen to this show. No, she's good. In fact, it's kind of funny because there was a lot of going on before Dark Knight Rises came out about how they were going to actually have Maggie Gyllenhaal come back. There was a lot of suggestions saying that she'd come back as Poison Ivy. Oh. Uh, and then it was kind of thrown out of the window. It's kind of like, oh, they were also going to do the Riddler, and they were thinking about having Robin Williams play the Riddler. Gosh, that would have been amazing. Something like that. Um, <clears throat> following a trail left by cat burglar Selena Kyle, Batman confronts Bane in the sewers, who says, and when she traps him behind the door, I was like, oh, you bitch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's going to kill him. <laughs> uh, it should also be said that we, we, we glossed over this also. We had a massive motorcycle chase scene here. With the bank, where they yeah. escape the stock exchange, and Batman decides, I'm going to come out of retirement and, uh, and stop this guy. So he gets out there on his bike, starts flying around, and my favorite line in the whole movie is when the cops are driving beyond, they're, they're, they're following after, the, after Bane on his motorcycle, the lights all go out, and you see the motorcycle fly by, and the older cop in the car looks at the younger cop and goes, Oh, you're in for a treat tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's juxtaposed. This is the first time, wait, wait. 
Let's rewind. Yeah. That's the first time they've seen him in eight years. Exactly. That's his, that's his reaction? Yeah. Oh, you're in for a treat. This guy hasn't been here in two presidencies. <laughs> Like, I'm not going to act surprised. This is just Batman doing Batman things. You're in for a treat, kid. It's juxtaposed with Matthew Modine's Foley going, forget Bane, I'm going to do what Gordon never did. I'm going to catch the Batman. What the hell's wrong with you? Really? You're going to catch the Batman? (laughs) And the best part is, they trap him in a spot on the highway, which gives him the best chance to to lose them all. He (laughs) blows up some rig on the highway, Flies up the ramp of a car trailer, heads off into a alley, and they go, we've got him trapped now. And now I say, you. Okay? <laughs> because the bat flying machine pisses me off. Dude, how long do they have to warm up helicopters before they take off? Seriously. And this one has no air above it. It's all shell. It shouldn't fly. <laughs> yeah. So I have a massive problem with the design of this thing. Not to mention, it flies off and no one goes, let's follow it. You had helicopters. What the hell were they doing up in the air? It's huh. not the worst <laughs> point. Thank you. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't bad. I've got to say this. Just pissed me off a little. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that hurts Batman when you're grading it in this uh, genre, like, we hold it to the standard of being real because Batman appeals to so many of us because you're you're like, this could, quote, actually happen. Yes. Iron Man shoots lasers and shit out of himself all the time. (laughs) Thor has a... Magic hammer. Magic hammer. (laughs) And we're like, but it's his character. (laughs) And the moment Batman gets like a fancy helicopter, we're like, blasphemy, Batman. (laughs) That would have had to warm up for 15 minutes. But the funny thing about this is that this movie did something the MCU movies did not. And that is they started off with everything could happen. Yes. And they got. They got they got they got they got their zippers open a little bit. They were flashing their little ding dong. Uh, So anyway, yeah. So Batman confronts Bane in the sewers. Who says that he is there to fulfill Ra's al Ghul's destiny? Where has he been? Ra's al Ghul. <laughs> Every time I hear his name, I think of in the cage with Nicolas Cage. Yes. Where he nicknames his testicles. He reveals that he was using Daggett construction firms to stage a heist on Wayne Enterprises' applied science division. He steals Batman's arsenal before crippling him by slipping one of his spinal discs and sending him to an ancient pit prison from which escape is virtually impossible. The other inmates relate the story of the only person who ever successfully escaped from the prison, a child driven by necessity and the sheer force of will, said to be the child of Greenland. I mean, Ra's al Ghul. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so we get the Bane-Batman fight, and Bane is just beating the shit out of this guy. I felt bad for Batman. And when he lifted him up, I was like, this is the comic book coming to life now. The back-breaking... Yes. Thank you. That was Nightfall, the comic book. And then he goes off to some place, and we don't have any idea where in the world this is, but it must be some place close because he sure gets back in a hurry. You know what it is? I think it's where the uh, Fury Road was filmed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's all the same universe. It was Mad Max land. <laughs> I don't know how you felt 
when I heard Ra's al Ghul's League of Shadows thing coming back, I was like, wasn't that resolved in the first movie? We thought, but it's a superhero movie, Joe. Damn it! And no one's ever dead. <laughs> Batman. Batman. Oh, <laughs> made me mad. almost like it. <laughs> okay. Bane lures the vast majority of Gotham's police force underground and sets off a chain of explosions across the city, trapping the officers and turning Gotham City into an isolated city state. City state. Okay. So every cop available went in the sewers. Who's in charge? <laughs> Any <Yeah>. of us. <laughs> Like I do want to know, like, and this is, we're taking this is a very funny thing that we we were just talking about. Yes. Take it to a very serious thing. Right. When nine eleven happened, I am curious. Like, did every single police officer in the city go to ground zero, <laughs> or or like did they spread them out? Like, I honestly, like, I, honestly I don't do know. They, that. I'm guessing they spread them out, did perimeters and stuff like that along yeah. the way to make sure people were safe in their homes and stuff. But you've got one guy. In the sewers, and you bring an army of the force down there. Yeah, like I mean, because I and I go to nine eleven because that is something so like unbelievably tragic and huge. Yes, and even like, there's no way that every officer was at ground zero. No, there's no, no, no way. No, no. no, this is one guy that has one threat that we don't even know if it's legitimate or not. Yeah, and they say, hey, uh, every every uh, police officer is in the sewer. Um, <laughs> do we may get blown up? Not not one is in the station. There's no paperwork to do. <laughs> Even secretaries went home. There's there's <laughs> one. There's one above ground. There's one. Five hundred days of summer. Q <laughs> Hall and Oates. Earth third I, third rock from the sun. <laughs> we should we should dub uh, you make my dreams come true over the Joseph Gordon Levitt chase scene when he's like, there's still one police officer above ground. Okay. Someone make that happen for us. Any attempt to leave the city will result in the detonation of a nuclear bomb that was once the Wayne Enterprises fusion reactor converted by Pavel. I do like the fact that Payne dug underneath the science division and no one noticed. (laughs) A lot happens in this movie. This is why I truly believe this was not the movie no one wanted to make. I believe that. I think he was given a time schedule, and they cranked out something that would make fans happy that it was closure. Uh, So addressing the citizens, Bane executes Pavel at a football field, reveals the cover-up of Dent's death outside Gotham City Hall, and releases the prisoners locked up under the Dent Act. The rich and powerful, including Daggett, are dragged from their homes and put before a show trial presided over by Jonathan Crane, the Scarecrow. Boo. Death or exile? (laughs) Exile by death. (laughs) After an attempt to sneak special forces soldiers into the city fails, because all the bridges are broken, the government blockades Gotham and the city further regresses into a state of anarchy. Uh, Okay. The conceit you have to believe here is that if you are not one of the 1%, you are an anarchist. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Because everyone seems to be breaking the law now. The other 99% are breaking the law, and the 1% is not. (laughs) 
which Christopher Nolan has been known to be the rogue Republican, if you will, amongst directors. <laughs> and this is him saying, y'all are messed up out there. Because this is a, this came out around the same time as the Occupy stuff. Oh, it did, didn't it? Yes, it did. This was all about that 1% versus the 99. Because the 99 was sitting there going, the 1% have all the money. Right. But they really don't. You all have homes you're living in. Right. I mean, the police the police commissioner is locked in his own home. He won't come out. What the shit is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bunch of prisoners. You have the mass of the population. You can't stop them. You can't tell me that the Second Amendment didn't exist in Gotham. <laughs> fair. <laughs> Very fair. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> in Bruce land... Bruce retrains himself to be Batman and successfully escapes Bane's prison to return to Gotham. Well, that was awfully quick. Uh, he first has to be realigned. His spine has to be realigned, which looks painful as hell. Then he starts working out because what do you do? You do push-ups. That's what Bruce Wayne does. He does push-ups. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. I, I was actually going to bed. I was like, you know what? He's in shape. I was like, I skipped my workout today. Should I just be doing push-ups? Like, is, <laughs> is, this the, is this the solution? Should I just be doing push-ups before bed? Batman knows. <laughs> that, uh, what was the running back for uh, Georgia? Herschel Walker. Her okay, okay. Herschel Walker. Yeah. He's like he's apparently known for only doing like push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, like body weight stuff, and he's just a specimen of a human. Yeah. Isn't he the uh, – he was the big trade Minnesota made with Dallas, wasn't it? Maybe. Because he was sure. a Minnesota Viking, and then he – Dallas traded all of their picks to get him. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. Dallas had him, and Minnesota traded all their picks to get – oh, I'm thinking of Herschel Walker. Wait, we're talking about yeah. yeah. They traded all their Same picks page? in that draft for Herschel Walker, and he turned into shit in all Vikings. All the picks? Yes. Yikes. Yeah. That's why the Ricky Williams thing that happened was like, well, it's not the first time. There was Herschel Walker. Oh, yeah. Um, Man, Ricky Williams looked cool in that visor, didn't he? Ricky Williams was a badass. I he loved him so, as a running back. He was so awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, so Bruce retrains himself. On the last day before the nuclear bomb is to explode, he enlists Selena, Blake, Miranda Tate, Gordon, and Lucius Fox to get the gang together to help liberate the city and stop the nuclear bomb before it grows too unstable and explodes. How the hell does he know where Selena Kyle is? Meets her under a bridge, just happens to show up and be like, hey, I've been, I've been waiting for you. Uh, <laughs> Selena Kyle, Gagul, right? Rose no, Selena, that was Catwoman. Catwoman, oh. I don't know. Because she wants the blank slate thing. She thinks that it's going to like erase her records and everything and right, not right, exist. Right, right, right. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, they don't, like, no one has a cell phone. No, they don't. Nope. Uh, do we ever see a cell phone in these movies? Uh, oh, was, Joker's was, got one. Joker's got one, yeah. And there's one in that dude's belly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He told me he'd light me up like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to that movie. Yes. Batman confronts and subdues Bane. Okay, they have a wicked fight amongst a million people who are all fighting with each other for no reason. For just pure... <laughs> just for anarchy. a backdrop. For a backdrop. I will say this about Bane. I love Bane's fighting style. And there's a spot where Bane gets his gas thing knocked out. Yeah. And you think it would weaken him, but Bane goes ballistic. And he has, he, th I, I still, it's my, one of my favorite fight scenes in this. He throws Bruce against a column and just 
wails at his stomach like five times. Bruce ducks and he takes out a chunk of the pillar. Whoa. And I was like, whoa, it's time to retreat. Yeah. And he he somehow sub oh no, he he doesn't subdue Bane. Catwoman does with the bat pod, the bat bike. Yeah, she does. With a missile. <laughs> <laughs> Which doesn't kill him, by the way. Shot him with a missile. Still alive. He's a big boy. Eep, eep. Well, he's 5'9". <laughs> he's a buff boy. He's a buff boy. Batman confronts and subdues Bane, but is stabbed by Miranda Tate. Bum, bum, Snitch. Oh, my gosh. How? Who could she be? It turns out she is Talia al Ghul, Raz al Ghul's daughter. Never saw that coming. I know what you did last summer. I know. It was Scream 2. <laughs> is that what Scream 2 was, yeah, it was the mother of the boys. Oh. Yes. Uh, and everyone in the theater goes, what? Yeah. Yeah. Really? You slept with her. Yeah, and again, like he doesn't trust a lot of people. Like I'm so surprised he lets her in so easy. He really did. He got naked fast. It's been eight years, though. And and by the oh, you know what's thrown out of this? What's up? Alfred and him breaking up. We never talked about that in this. No, we didn't. Yeah, Alfred says I'm out of here because it's the best thing for. I can't do this anymore. And Bruce basically fires him. But after Alfred leaves, Bruce has this whole house to himself. And he doesn't know how to keep it, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shit's all covered up, and Miranda shows up on a rainy day, soaking wet, and what do you do? You bounce chicka wow wow Yeah, it is an emotional time for him. I don't, yeah. yeah. Can't do a whole lot, but can make a fire. Yeah. <laughs> on a bearskin rug. Uh, yeah, I didn't like this Talia Ghoul thing. I, I, you had Bane. Bane was good enough. She plans to complete her father's work by destroying Gotham and exact personal vengeance against Bruce for his death. Gordon successfully cuts off the bomb's ability to be remotely detonated, playing a shell game of with the cars, if you will, uh, while Selina kills Bane, allowing Batman to chase Talia. He tries to force her to take the bomb to the fusion chamber where it can be stabilized, but she remotely floods the chamber because she a bitch. Batman <laughs> shoots her truck off the road and Talia dies at the resulting crash, confident that the bomb cannot be stopped. Using the bat developed by Lucius, Batman hauls the bomb beyond the city limits where it detonates over the ocean. Here's the thing. You have to, I guess you have to have the downtown bat scene to know that it's available because if you're like, we've got this atom bomb. Yes. And Batman's like, I think we have a <laughs> helicopter in the basement. We may have we a choice. Get, we should get that. <laughs> and then he drives it out there and was like, that's convenient. So I guess you like you have to plug it at some place in the movie, and it's not going to be doing circles in the Kroger parking lot. <laughs> well, practicing. It, this actually ties into my theory that Alfred and Lucius were all about making Batman to begin with. Because Bruce Wayne shows up to Lucius' office to find out what his shares are earlier on, and Lucius gets up and says, this is usually the time when you ask me if I have any toys in the basement. <laughs> and he goes, oh, I'm not interested in anybody. He goes, well, let me show you anyway. Come on, you knew what you were doing, Fox. You gave him the bat. Um, and, and it's kind of funny because they also make a big deal about the autopilot. The autopilot's broken on it. Autopilot's broken. Well, a man like you could fix it, Bruce. 
Well, it's broken. We don't know if it's going to fix it. It's not broken. Whatever. I don't know what it is. It's broken. And so when we see that thing fly over, we think Bruce is dead. Right. Because they, well, they also don't they show him in it? Because I was looking for it this time. They, they sh- Well, they show him flying it, and then it cuts to a shot of the bat flying away from the camera. Dude, I was looking for a little, well, I was looking for like a little drop, <laughs> like, a little, like a little tiny bat. splash. <laughs> yeah, so now this is a matter of what's the movie timing on this. Interesting right. enough, the timing is interesting because the timer on the fusion reactor is set to the time of the actual movie. Ooh. So it is by the second when you're watching it. Just kind of remember Aliens? We did it with yep. Aliens where they, they timed it also, the, the self-destruct. Uh, in the aftermath of the explosion, Batman is praised as a sacrificial hero and Bruce is believed dead as a casualty of the riot. Convenient. Later, Lucius finds out that Bruce had fixed the autopilot on the bat. What? Hinting that Batman wasn't inside the bat when it exploded with the bomb. As Bruce's estate is divided up, Alfred goes to his one spot in France, and he finally gets to see Bruce and Selina together alive in the cafe in Italy, while Blake inherits the Batcave. But I've... I don't know, man. Okay, okay. It's always getting like the Christopher Nolan, like yeah. Or is this just Alfred saying like, finally he's at peace, mm-hmm. and so I can be at peace? Is I, it really him? Is what you're asking? Right. Like I think this is a uh, Nolan doing what Nolan does best and leaving two avenues for you to decide what you want the ending to be like. And I believe that you are spot on with it. And no, if that was Nolan's intention. He screwed up at the end of this because in that montage, there are two things that are said. One, uh, we're missing some of his shares. And two, the only thing we're missing are the effects are the necklace. And if you look, Selena Kyle is wearing the pearl necklace. Oh. And explain how they could afford to go someplace else. I'll tell you what I'm really bad with in watching movies. And really paying attention to dialogue sometimes. Mm-hmm. If it's like people in a lab, yeah. we're in an office building. I'm like, you <laughs> boring suits. And I check out sometimes. Like I so many times watching like the Avengers movies, it's like, oh, government people. Yeah. I'm gonna go get a snack. I'm asleep. <laughs> and, and then like we'll go over and I'm like, oh, that was an important part. Yeah. I I'm really, really bad about like dialogue when there's not action. And I know that sounds very like dumb of me, but well, here's I missed that yesterday. Here's, what, here's what you do. Here's how you fix this to make it a Nolan film, if you will. You cut out the fact that you tell people that the necklace is gone. And then when you cut to Michael Caine in his thing, you have him look up and you go to black. Mm-hmm. And you leave it interpretive. You don't sit there and you actually show them sitting there. Yeah. But Michael Caine did an interview later on and they asked him, you know, oh, what was the intention? Because we really don't know. He goes, how do you not know? He sees them. They're there. She's wearing the necklace. Stop looking for something that's not in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So he was probably like, it, guys, it, that's, that was them. They're, they're living happily ever after. Well, I mean, and, and you can't really blame the people that have watched every other Nolan film to be like, well, what actually did happen? Yeah, everyone because, has a twist. Because I've refused to watch... Uh, not Insidious. Uh, uh, not Interstellar. Interstellar. No, not even Interstellar. Um, what's the one with the top? Inception. Oh, Incep- oh Inception's awesome. I know. I still haven't watched it a second time because the first time made me so mad. Because of the ending? Yep. Like you saw it wobble and you're like, wait, what? Yep. Come on! I was, I've, <laughs> I've stayed so mad I haven't watched it a second time. I probably should. <laughs> That's another Marion Cotillard movie you saw. 
Oh. Because she's the wife. Yep. Oh, yeah. she's in a lot of his movies, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. He recycles the same actors like Kevin Smith does. Yeah, it's him, Kevin Smith, and uh, Wes Anderson. Yes. Uh, now it's time to the, uh, the segment to be called Did the Awards Get It Right? Well, no Academy Award nominations, no Golden Globe nominations. At the Saturn Awards for Best Action Adventure Film, Skyfall won. Uh, it was against Django Unchained, Les Miz. Les Miz was not an action adventure film. Not even a little bit. Nope. Taken to The Born Legacy and Dark Knight Rises. I gotta say, which one was Sky? Which one was Skyfall? Did I see that one? Skyfall was uh, the third film. Who's the bad guy? That's not the one in Mexico, is it? It's Javier Bardem. I don't like Javier. Bardem. He got a bad face. Um, <laughs> Javier. Add him to the list. <laughs> oh, I think I've mentioned him before. I just don't trust him. Um, oh, man, I think I think Django wins this one. I think it beats the brakes off of him. I do too. Django was such a good movie. It was amazing. It was Django was what an action adventure film should be. Yes. Just like explosions <laughs> and James Brown Tupac mashups. Yep. And just blood everywhere. <laughs> and comedy. Django's good. Yes. Django's good. J- Django wins. Uh, for Best Actor, Matthew McConaughey won for Killer Joe. I never saw this movie. But Daniel Craig was up for Skyfall. Joseph Gordon-Levitt for Looper. Hugh Jackman for Les Mis. Martin Freeman for The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey. And Christian Bale. Now, I will say, that is a adventure film. Which one? <laughs> uh, the Hobbit. <laughs> the Hobbit is. And we had talked about Martin Freeman and how he really is the best part of An Unexpected Journey. Yeah. I mean, he, he is hands down the carrier of this movie. Uh, he, is, he is The Hobbit. He is The Hobbit. For Best Director, Joss Whedon won for The Avengers, which uh, is a solid film. I'll say this: I don't know. I didn't know Killer Joe existed in the film. Yeah. Um, I think Christopher Nolan. The direction on this one is probably lesser than his others, but man, Life of Pi was good. I think The Unexpected Journey was good. Avengers yeah. was good. Joss Whedon. Looper's really good. It's 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 one that I'll say Ryan Johnson really won. Yeah. The uh, The Avengers was that blew everyone's mind. Right? That was ridiculous. Nobody had seen that before. No. It's like, it, it's for a lot of people, yeah. it's not, but for a lot of people, it's oversaturated at this point just because there have been so many. But I remember people telling me, they're like, have you seen The Avengers? The Avengers? They're like, yo, Avengers is good. Like, yeah. you actually, you need to see Avengers. And it's kind of funny because you know, we've mentioned this a few times, but, you know, now that you're all caught up outside of Homecoming, it's kind of like you've, you've watched these now from the, like, it's kind of like retro-fitting the culture into what you're used to seeing now. Yeah. And so now that now that you've seen like the step by step, like this is with Avengers, and then you had these these movies, Avengers: Age of Ultron, and you had the exact same reaction that a lot of people had with Age of Ultron, which was it wasn't Avengers. Yeah. It was a step below. Yeah. And uh, now everybody's saying Infinity War is going to be bananas, but uh, best music, Danny Elfman wins for Frankenweenie. <laughs> Howard Shore for Hobbit, Hans Zimmer, Dark Knight Rises, Thomas Newman, uh, Michael Dana, and you gave it to Frankenweenie. I've never heard anything from Frankenweenie. Not a damn thing. I think they messed up. Hans Zimmer should have gotten this one, too, I think. Or Howard Shore. Or Howard Shore, yeah. Howard Shore is great. Yeah. Uh, Best Supporting Actor went to Clark Gregg of The Avengers. What? No! He was Agent Coulson. He's not the best supporting actor. Christoph Waltz from Django Unchained. Yes. That's the best supporting actor. Even Ian McKellen. <laughs> Michael Fassbender in Prometheus. Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Dark Knight Rises. Blake, any of these are better than Clark Gregg. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah. 
This the next one I'm surprised about. Okay. Best supporting actress. Anne Hathaway wins for Dark Knight Rises. But was also up for Les Mis. <laughs> Out of those two movies, like there's no category. I mean, I guess it's the what what awards are these? Science Saturn, Saturn Awards. Saturn Awards. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because Lay Miz isn't a science fiction movie. It's not even close. Well, it's science fiction, fantasy, and horror. So I guess it would be it's, fantasy. Is it fantasy? No, no, it's not my fantasy. She was a hooker. It's not a fantasy. It's <laughs> the French Revolution. My guess is that they put Lay Miz in all these awards just because it was Lay Miz. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but then we go down. Okay, no Razzie Awards, thank God. So the only Razzie that the trilogy has gotten was Katie Holmes. Remember, she was nominated for the Razzie? Which is silly. Because Maggie Gyllenhaal should have gotten it. Yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal is worse, but... the. Nobody was going to negatively nominate the uh, Dark Knight for anything. Oh, God forbid they do that. Heaven forbid you give it to Robert Downey Jr. for... Tropic Thunder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm the dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. <laughs> All right, now in the year 2018. What did you think after watching this film, Joel? Um, I liked it more than I remember. Yep. I liked Bane more than I remember. How long is this movie? Do you know? Two, over two hours. It feels like three to four. Three to four. <laughs> I, There's a lot of dead space. Watching this movie, I was like, this movie is long. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Uh, not as good as I remember. Uh, and that's kind of sad, because I don't like ending a trilogy on a down. Like, I want it to be like, yes, here we go! Which I know you're probably, well, I don't know if you're thinking this, but some people out there probably are, which is like, well, you didn't say about Battle of the Five Armies. All right, <laughs> that was all. Ah! It was all rise. It was it was it was Barney's playlist for New Year's Eve. All rise. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. On to our next segment titled Top Three, Bottom Three. This is where we pick our top three things we love or scenes that we like in this movie, and then we choose three things we dislike about the film and/or that we find the weakest. Let's start with the top three. Joel, what are your top three things that you want to highlight in this movie? Um, Bane is bad with two Ds, yes, like yes. Michael Jackson bad. He is an absolute <laughs> alpha. <laughs> Powerful and super eerie, mm -hmm. like when he's just talking and commands the room. Yes. He's my number three. Um, my number two, when they blow up the field in Schittsburg. Um, <laughs> I, I, I read that this week, and I laughed out loud <laughs> in class. Go Browns. And number one, um, he's even overlooked in the synopsis. Mm -hmm. When Ga I think that Gary Old no, I know that Gary Oldman is severely overlooked in this. He is actually really, really good yes. in this movie. Um, not he's not too much. Mm -hmm. He is to the point where I actually believe that he's a character, not just a very good actor portraying a character. And that's been my thing with Kevin Spacey for so long. When I watch my movies, I'm like, Kevin Spacey's doing great right now. <laughs> <laughs> Go like, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like, oh, good for you, President. What's his name? And. Uh, <laughs> Uh, House, of House, of House of Cards. I'm like, yeah, yeah Kevin Spacey, tell those bureaucrats. Um, <laughs> so Gary Oldman does such a great job in everything that he does with finding the balance and making you believe it's a character. Yeah. And he finally got his nod for the Academy this year. But, Thank man, God. in this movie, I'm like, I think that, like, we're looking at Michael Caine, and I love Michael Caine. I'm like, mm -hmm. Michael Caine's great. And then it's like Morgan Freeman, or, yeah, Morgan Freeman's yep. great. And then I'm like, Commissioner Gordon's the best. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> that's Gary Oldman. And I think that he's overlooked. And like that was my realization in this movie, is realizing that Gary Oldman did a great job during these movies, and I don't think he got the credit he deserved. And it's kind of funny, because you, you just said something which is interesting, because you mentioned everybody else by their actor name, and when you got to him, it was his character. Yeah. He throws himself into the character so much, you don't even recognize him anymore. Yeah. 
Um, so what are, what are your top three? My number three is Bane on the Plane. <laughs> Bane on the Plane. Bane on the Plane. I love Bane on the Plane. My number two is Anne Hathaway. She's good. in a cat suit. She's good. Uh, and, and to get okay, I'm gonna say this right now. She's sexy as hell in that. However, she's beyond that in this movie. Every scene that she is in, she is Catwoman. Like yeah. everything she says has that I'm towing the line to from good to evil. I don't know which way I'm gonna go. And you don't even know what's going to happen at the end with her. Like, I didn't expect her to show up at the end with the bat bike and blow away Bane. That was a surprise to all of us. Uh, and my number one, you know, we talk about Gary, we talk about Morgan, but Michael Caine's performance in this is just in that speech I played earlier, it's, it kills you yeah. to watch this because it, it's, it's, it's watching him and. A, another phenomenal actor in Christian Bale put on a clinic whenever they're on the screen together. Like this is how you're supposed to act with each other. There are times with Gary Oldman where I was watching Gar- where I was watching Commissioner Goldman- Gordon and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and I didn't see Blake because Blake is an unknown. Yeah, but these two, I bought it. Every scene they were with each other in. There, like I'm trying to think of other movies where, like when you see the two actors in public together, you're like. Oh, they're they're friends in per in real life too, <laughs> like uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Ke- and uh, what's his name, uh, Ben Stiller. <laughs> like not even that, like the like when you see, like the cast of Harry Potter, like hanging out in real life. You're oh. like, oh, they're friends. Yeah. Or like any, like I can't even think of two others. Harrison Ford and Alden Ehrenreich. No. <laughs> no. Like when you would see like he got tricked into that dinner. When you would see like um, Luke and Leia like in public together, yes. and people would just cry seeing them in the same place, and then they would hug, and then they would continue to cry because you're like they love each other in real life, and they're actually family. Do you think they do that with voice actors? Like, what if you saw Mike Myers and Cameron Diaz together? <laughs> no, like that's Shrek and Fiona. But like, no, like, <laughs> but those movies weren't like dynamic throughout. Yeah. They didn't withstand the test of time. I feel like if I were to see Michael Caine, and by the way, every time I hear his name now, I freaking my think cocaine, of my <laughs> cocaine. space cocaine, and it, I, I, I have a feeling it for like you. I'm, I'm going to be on my deathbed, and I'm going to think my cocaine, shit, and then die. <laughs> it um, works. <laughs> yeah, um, but I would like if I saw them like at an award show together, like walking down the red carpet, I'd probably like, bust into tears. I'm like, like I would believe that he was his dad. Okay. Because even in the prestige, like he, lo- Michael Caine loves him so well. <laughs> like <laughs> he, he loves Christian Bale like a real father, and their chemistry on screen is amazing. Okay. Bonus question here: You're walking down the street, and you see Mike Myers and Cameron Diaz in costume <laughs> as Fiona and Shrek in green face, and then you turn around, problematic. and walking behind you. Is Eddie Murphy and Antonio Banderas? Which selfie do you take? Uh, well, it's it's very uncomfortable for me to ask for a selfie, anyways. Pretend you are your your you're like you know I've got five hundred pictures on my Instagram and half of them are just me making a duck face. Um. <laughs> see, I'm really bad at things like this. Cause I'm like, well, I know that Eddie Murphy's kind of like shitty in real life. It's donkey and puss in boots. Or Shrek and Fiona. Oh, you, if you're asking me if I'm going to have a chance to get my picture taken with Cameron Diaz, which one I'm going to change? <laughs> Yo, you, have you seen The Mask? I have. 
It's bad. her best looking role. <laughs> I fell in love with Cameron in that movie. Yes, Cameron Diaz. She had curves in that movie. Yeah, and I think I think that they would just be more fun to take a picture with. Um, Antonio Banderas would be fun. I think he'd be like a. F- I think he'd be a f- uh, celebrity of the fans. Yes, Eddie Murphy. I don't think so. I think. Oh come on! You don't want donkey? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Turning to Fat Albert on my part. <laughs> All right, N- bottom three. Time to vent, Joel. What do you got? Um, I'm actually gonna have to change mine because <laughs> okay, I totally just like was so tired when they started talking about missing money from the uh, like the funds. Oh, okay. Now that I'm doing Kaufman testing and stuff with kids, oh, like, yeah. I'm like maybe I don't infer well. <laughs> like maybe, my, maybe my inference skills are pretty trashy because my number three is like the open ending, but it's yeah. not an open ending. It's no. it's a thing. Um, so let's go with um, Scarecrow coming back. Scarecrow. There you go. Yeah. My number two, I can't get past Bane sounding like Sean Connery. <laughs> I cannot get past it. It really bothers me. To um, all of you. <laughs> the day... You'll rue the day you crushed me, Trebek. <laughs> and my number one, my least favorite part about this movie is there's yeah. so many white people in this movie <laughs> that all look alike. I could not differentiate between the bad guy allies. No. Like, all of the bad guys wearing suits <laughs> look exactly alike. And my honorable mention number one is Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> The fact that Ben Roethlisberger shows face in this movie makes me so angry. <laughs> what about your bottom three? Uh, my number three is the voice work of Batman and Bane. Batman is nearly unintelligible in this movie, and Bane's is clearly from a sound booth. Uh, number uh, two, Anne Hathaway in a cat suit. She, along with this movie, was written very lazily. Her performance is good, but she's written lazily. Yeah. Uh, and my number one is the Talia Al Ghul twist. I did not need this. I don't like the fact that the first movie is League of Shadows. The second movie is The Joker, where they don't mention League of Shadows at all. And then they go back to League of Shadows again. Oh, yeah. So, okay, on to who is the audience? Joel? Um, I would say fans of Christopher Nolan movies that are just above average, but not uh, great, not great. <laughs> Such as? Such as Inception. <laughs> I need to see Inception again. That's just me being a high schooler. I, I've told you this story before. I saw Inception on like a date when I was like 17 years old. Yeah. And she's like, what happened? What happened? I was like, no one knows what happened. <laughs> and so I kept like getting so mad at Christopher Nolan. I'm like, you're making this hard for me, Christopher. You, Chrissy. Give me answers. She keeps asking. What about you? Uh, people who are looking for closure from the Batman movies. Yeah. Completionists will enjoy this. Yeah. Although it's a hard hill to fall down after The Dark Knight. Yeah, it is. But that's where we're getting to the critical rating here. So, okay, end of the movie report card. A, B, C, D, or F. C being the average. In the comic book film genre, give us a grade and some comments that defend your grade. Joel? Um, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to start with my grade. I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to lower. I'm going to go lower to a B minus. All right. This is not <laughs> This is not necessarily a superhero movie. I think this is a Bruce Wayne movie. Not there's not so much of a Batman movie in this. Yeah. I still think it's just above average, but like sadly a lot of this movie's forgettable. I think that following the Dark Knight really hurts this film. Mm-hmm. Um I love that you finally get a sense of who Bruce Wayne is. 
um, him feeling helpless, uh, kind of lost, as well as Gotham feeling both of those in general. But if you get this movie alone without the trilogy, leave out the Rachel mess, include a little bit more. So here's the thing. I think, I think you could do this movie alone. Uh, leave out all the talk about Rachel. Um, include like the League of Shadows as a prequel, kind of like as a prologue. I mean, like The Hobbit did. Um, I still think it's a really good movie, but it takes away from the density of him and Alfred because Alfred uses a lot of that. Um, in comparison, I think this is the weakest of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- still think though that it beats the brakes off of Batman versus Superman. Um, <laughs> the theatrical version? Yeah, all both of them. The one that I watched <laughs> on HBO Go. I still think it okay. So that's the that's the theatrical version. The ultimate yeah. cut is the better one. Really? The ultimate cut has thirty minutes that have been left out that make more sense. Huh. And you find out that they actually moved scenes around the theatrical one to try to make it work. And in the unrated one, or in the uh, ultimate cut, they put them back where they're supposed to be in the story. That would probably say. Well, I mean, dude, we about fell asleep in that movie. We're like, how long is this? <laughs> um, I think it's better than. I enjoy watching this more than every Superman film. I just think that I think that the real reality of Batman is just so much better than a superhero that can do everything in Superman yeah. that loses to Michael Shannon <laughs> until he snaps his neck. Spoilers. Uh, yeah. Most other DC properties, and I think it beats. Um, not I wouldn't say many. I th- I said many, but I would say some Marvel films as well. But this movie's just lacking something. I think it's trying to do too much beyond the two Thors, the first two Thors. Yeah. What else would you put underneath it? Um, I don't know. The first two Thors, I think, are less than this. I see. I like the first Thor more than this. Oh, okay. But Dark World, you got to put below. I think Dark World's below this. Okay. Um, What about Hulk? Honestly, Hulk's kind of boring. Okay. I mean, is I don't know any of the Iron Mans. Iron, maybe Iron Man two. Okay, that's the weaker one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh, I was about to say Captain America: First Avenger. I would. First Avengers maybe a little bit better. Ah, which thing, like I like the characters in this more. They may not yeah. be better movies, but I love the characters in this movie more. Like I just think that they're more relatable and understanding. Gotcha. Um, and like I like the grittiness of it. I don't like the Captain America. Y'all can't <laughs> see it at home. I'm fist pumping. Rah rah. Superman. I love <laughs> Kevin. I love Kevin Costner. Um, but the movie's trying to do too much, and mm. I think that they don't expand on anything enough i think they do a lot of stuff a little bit and i think that it has a lot to do with two F- the death of two-face and the joker for the third installment of the trilogy is just too disconnected yeah and unfortunate circumstances you know caused that i still think it's just slightly above average because i watch it i'm like yeah yeah fight him <laughs> but they're like there's too many like fuzzy disconnects in the movie so i'm gonna stick with a b minus b minus just above average okay i gotta agree with most of what you said uh which is which to me makes it a very average movie. I think that completing the trilogy without Heath Ledger's Joker was a monumental task to start with. Uh, you know, you had to know they had plans for him in this third film. Uh, whether it was him playing almost a Hannibal Lecter in the in Blackgate prison and allying, allying with him to beat Bane, that would be interesting. Um, when you lose a power character like the Joker, you're left with a creative vacuum that is not given time to fully flesh out a story because the studio has already set the release date. Uh, Bane was a nice idea for this, but I don't understand why they returned to the League of Shadows storyline when it wasn't even mentioned in the best film 
absolutely right. <laughs> I would have rather this third film be that Bruce is getting older and he needs to find a person to take on the mantle of Batman as he starts to break down. Instead, we get Bane being linked to a throne in the last minute Talia al Ghul, which is a romantic storyline we never needed for this series. He's sleeping with Talia. Who cares? Why? He... JC would have hated this because JC always said Batman was never about romance. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. That's why I'm like, he's never let anybody into his life. Yeah. The casting in this, though, is as good as it has ever been. Uh, most of the actors or actresses are constantly being called as nominees in Academy Awards or Golden Globes, even down to Ben Mendelsohn, who played Daggett. Yeah. Uh, but this movie proves that you can have all the great help in the world but if the story doesn't make any damn sense, it's just another average film. So I'm going to give this a C. C. Uh, and uh, with a B minus and a C, this averages out to a C+. C plus. Now, where does that fall in our comic book pantheon? Well, we've got Deadpool with an A. We've got Dark Knight with an A. We've got Batman Begins with an A minus. We've got Green Lantern with a C plus, which was a 7.667. And now we've got The Dark Knight Rises at a C-plus with a perfect 7.000. So, it is in the Pantheon for now. That being said, in, uh, I want to say, oh, I don't know, six months, we start the MCU. So, we'll see if it can last through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My guess is with a C-plus, it probably is not going to. Now, overall, as a trilogy, it's going to get a grade of a B plus, a 10 out of 12 as a trilogy, 12 being a perfect A and 1 being a complete F. This is a 10. This is a pretty consistent trilogy. The last movie is the one that kind of bumps it down. It was a big failure, uh, but not so big that it pulled everything below average. So No One's Dark Knight trilogy becomes the first trilogy we've got in the trilogy pantheon with a B plus grade. We still have yet to do the Hobbit trilogy. We still have yet to do the Lord of the Rings trilogy. We still have yet to do uh, the Godfather trilogy, the Hangover trilogy, the Matrix trilogy. There's so many other trilogies out there that we can do. We'll see if this movie's uh, uh, legacy can continue over the course of time. Now, if you're curious as to what we're doing at the end of our shows with the music, the music doesn't always line up with the movie that we just did. The music is a preview of the next movie we're doing. So this movie is obviously not from a Batman movie. It's actually from the movie Prometheus. Yes, next week or in two weeks, we're going back to the Alien franchise, and we're going to continue with Prometheus. And then two weeks after that, we're going to finish things up with Alien Covenant thus rounding out the Alien franchise to figure out what it deserves as a grade overall in the franchise pantheon. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, anywhere you can get podcasts, and give us a four or five star review. We'd really appreciate that. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and we'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at MoviePlanetPod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet Podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet Podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. 
They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Special thanks to Twisterium and Sound J Music for providing any music that we happen to use that is not movie related. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. <laughs>